This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the More Business, More Life podcast. This show is for socially conscious leaders, entrepreneurs, CEO founders that have found success but they yet they don't have the ideal life that they would like. And what we're gonna do is bring in concepts and systems so that we can increase business with millions of additional revenue while lowering our work hours, ideally below 40 hours a week. We call this more business, more life. And it's an and, not an or. We don't have to have either or. We can actually systemize this to have both. And those are the concepts we're going to come with each episode. Sometimes we might talk a little bit more about business. Sometimes more life. Most of the time, both. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how do we actually change our life? You know, many of you might be listening to this. We're talking about more business, more life. And then we're like, okay, well, when, where, how, when do I make these decisions? Why do I make these decisions? Do we, can we really have freedom in today's modern society? Like, what does that look like? What does a job look like? What does a company look like? What does a business look like? We're going to talk about all of this. It's going to be a brainstorm of like, what's really important and then how do we start to choose our own freedom so we can create that? And we're going to explore all that and more. It's going to be a real big, fat brainstorm on a lot of ideas. And our hope is that you can start picking parts that work for you to make change in your life to have more freedom right now. Let's jump in. When I first started talking in front of C-level people, you know, like going to C-suite and a bunch of those you know, people are like, what are you talking about? Like it was a total disbelief. I think that is old, a little bit old now, but it still comes up because people are asking, how do I have a better life? So I think now is the time that people are listening, but what if we start off with like, you know, is this even possible? Like, you know, cause here we are talking about more business, more life. And you're probably saying, yeah, right. Is that the thing? Like more business, more life. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah. How so? Or is this, is this possible? Is that the question? Is this possible? And then we kind of share stories of client successes, our successes, and maybe some, you know, hard lines of like, you have to do this. Like, and we have, there are things we've talked about before. Like if you give yourself all day to work, you're going to take all day. Like, so it's just going to keep happening, but you have to create new rules. And then in those new rules, you could have more success. It's also a mindset change, though, as well, because I think when you start thinking about, I mean, for me, it was like my dad worked and we had a good life, so I have to work so I can have a good life. But really, your whole concept of, no, design the life you want and then work and then design your work to fit into it. You know what I mean? That's people don't don't think that way <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying so this is like flipping on its on its head yeah 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 uh, i mean if you listen to like all the like a lot of the big names they're still they're still preaching hustle right yeah they're still preaching the 
Like you just got to grind it out to have that success. And again, I think, I think Tony Robbins is probably a good one who like actually says like define what success means for you. And then it's not always financial. Right. But I think everybody, I think there's still lots and lots of people who define the success as being financial freedom or financial success, making a certain amount of money, but then striving for that goal, they lose other things. That's why we, you and I, Steve, we've always said, it's not like, it's no longer the balance, like the, when you say work-life balance, because whenever I think of work-life balance, I always think of the scale of one way, whichever one you're going towards, the other one's going to go off balance. And that's why we always say work-life integration. And that's where more business, more life comes in, where you're creating your life first, because everybody puts their business first, business or work-life first. And then where does their family or personal time fit into those open slots there? We're saying, no, build your life first put all the stuff that you actually want to do and live because we weren't created to work. Like work is a human constructed thing, right? Like before the industrial revolution, before that, you know, like caveman days, you know, we were just trying to survive, like finding food and stuff like that. And, you know, we created this whole concept of of work and, and money and all that stuff. And so I think we've really gone away from like life living. Like there's a, a quote that I heard a while ago, but that recently came up in my mind is like, how many of you are really living or are just like, are just here? I forget how it goes, but as a concept of like, are you actually living or are you just here kind of going through the motions kind of a thing? So, I mean, yeah, flip into that paradigm shift, right? Melissa, that you're talking about life before business and intertwine them, make them so that you can have both. And that's not the either or kind of a thing. It's the and, right? That you always say, Steve, it's the and. Yes, yes. And I think if I had to do it all over again and tell my 20-year-old self something, I would. that would be like the first thing I would say is design your life first and then figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would solve like a lot of issues because a lot of people, and I still see it today, even like on, on YouTube and other platforms of people saying they were just following what their parents' dream was for them, right? That was going, mm-hmm. was like being a doctor, a lawyer, a accountant, or something where, and it's usually what I've noticed is, is immigrant families, kids of immigrants, where, you know, they the parents came here to have a, have a better life and they wanted their kids to have, you know, make money so they didn't have to struggle and all that stuff. But then you hear these stories and like, you know, kids that went to like Harvard and like Princeton Ivy League schools and they're miserable because they were trying to reach a goal that their parents had set for them so that they could, their parents would be proud of them and all this stuff. But then they're like, they were miserable, you know, and like, you know, somebody wanted to go do something more artistic or something, you know, completely left, quote unquote, left field of whatever it was they were driving towards. But then like, they're, they're miserable, right? And then they're not having a good life. So it's like, yeah, like if you can tell a 20 year old, 18, 20 year old how to choose their life, I think Alan Watts talks about it a lot, right? Do something that makes you happy and you you'll find and you can you'll find money, find ways to make money in that thing, and you'll be happy at the same time. Well, because if you're happy doing what you do, you'll tend to work more. And then if you do it more, you're going to actually become an expert. And when you become an expert, you'll get paid a good fee for it, no matter what it is, whether it's being a magician, being I mean, we see this today. People are making millions being video gamers or, you know, YouTubers or even as when I grew up, it was like, you know, people used to make fun of people that were spending so much time skateboarding or doing those things. And then 
out of that generation emerges Tony Hawk and all of these people that life? became millionaires yeah. doing the thing that looked like the uh, waste of life. What are you doing with your life? And the reality is if you spend a lot of time in anything, you will become an expert. And when you become an expert, you'll be sought after in that, it's that thing, even if it's a brand new field. And that's why as we get older, we have to look and say that I think this happens generationally always, right? The older generation looks at the new generation going, what the heck are you doing with your time? Only to, because we don't realize it's a brand new thing that's going to be a big deal. And then that child is going to be an expert of it because they saturated themselves with it. You know, so even being homeschoolers, we've gone to a lot of conferences, my, my wife and I, to like learn how we can do better to teach our kids. And some people use what they call unschooling method or where you have, you build the curriculum around the student. And I remember one dad saying that, oh my gosh, my, my kid never learned, is not learning math. They don't want to learn math and they weren't trying to like put pressure on that. Well, then there, he was really starting to get worried by the time the child turned 13 and they had not spent much time with the math at all, like very rudimentary and very concerned the father was. But then he said all of a sudden his son wanted to make a catapult just for fun, but he wanted it to be accurate and wanted to be able to hit targets so that within a month's time, his son went from basically only knowing how to do addition and subtraction to all the way to trigonometry and beyond the father that he could no longer keep up with his son in math. And he said that it was like a month in a month's period. And he was building catapults that could hit on target bullseyes because he learned the geometry of the arc and how to do it and how to make the catapult and all these things. And so then this brings back to what we're talking about here. What is the motivation? So what is motivating us to learn, to live, to all do these things? And I think the mistake is made that we think, okay, we have to build ourselves into society. We have to make money and the goal is money. And then if you have money, then you can figure out life. And what happens is we just keep making money and then you find no happiness because it's just money is a tool. It's like saying, I want a house and you just buy a bunch of hammers. That's not going to build you a house. It's going to give you the tool to build a house, but if you don't actually build the house, so what are you doing with the money? You know, there is commerce that can happen. There are things we, we want. And then when you're motivated, so I think to what you said, Melissa, what are we motivated you know, for? And if we actually look at that, I do believe there's an innate thing inside of us. We're born with certain gifts. You'll see people that are extremely talented in certain areas. And I think that's why feelings are important. I think that's another thing that we overlook are our feelings and we get caught up in this space where we ignore those and that is a shame because it's those feelings that are telling us clues and real life like direction and you can even call it divine direction where you're getting you know universal information that's coming through you or from you however you want to look at it so if you look deep down, we all really know what we want. And the way that you can tell this, even if you're not really clear on it, is what makes you have joy and brings bliss into your life and what makes you feel miserable. And again, going back to the feelings, if we would listen to those, you would actually start being directed to what you're meant to do on this planet and then find a lot of joy in it. And no matter what it is, and I, I think then coming back to kind of cap this all off is that we find ourselves excited about something. And maybe immediately we don't know how that could create a living for us 
to live in today's world in the way in modern society the way and again that's another thing that's been developed as you said giovanni has been put on us not really a, a, a direct choice but now living in modern society then we question oh if i like art how am I going to pay my bills? And then that real question comes up and then that stifles us. And it's like, oh, I better just get a job. And then we find ourselves getting older and older and more and more miserable. And then that's why you have the picture of the old man yelling at the kids to get off his lawn because he's grumpy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the other thing I was going to just jump in and say is a lot of what you're talking about, I think also just re-emphasizes that point of work-life integration because when you can merge kind of your personal and professional interests together, you know how they say, you know, you won't work a day in your, in your life if you love what you do. When I was in corporate, anytime I had the opportunity to incorporate some sort of community service into my corporate job, it was just like Zen for me. And so, you know, having come out of a corporate position and then create a company that is really focused on impacting the community and the people in so many different ways, whether you're looking at your own self-care, whether we are focusing on our life, and the impact we want to make in our life because it's so short. And that integration is critical to really align you with your purpose. It really is. Absolutely. And and then you and look at how much different it is. Like you said, it goes back to the feelings. You felt a difference when you were acting on those activities. So I think in a way, we're either denying or accepting what we really feel innately inside of ourselves. And I think that's where the no pain, no gain, I think really messes with us. You know, I definitely know in my younger years, I'm like, you know, all these people that have made it, you know, that i had seen, they're all saying, oh, well, if you have no pain, you're not going to gain. And it's so ridiculous now looking at it for me to say no pain, no gain, no pain, no gain. That is no gain. Like, really? Like, so when you're not in pain, you're not gaining. And I didn't really think of it that way. I just accepted it. And I know it's really it was really bad for me. I know for a fact in my earlier years, I was looking for pain. And when it hurt, I'm like, great. Oh, this is so good. What am I going to gain? You know, and that's good because there could be some gratitude in it. But I was seeking the pain and I was taking myself further into the fire instead of listening to my feelings. It's like putting your hand on a hot grill and all your body wants to pull your hand off. I often use this metaphor. And you just leave it on there, burning and burning until your nerve endings are gone, right? You burned them off. You don't even feel it. And then, you know, to your point, Melissa, like you've said this before too, then you wake up one day and you're like, what do I even want? Like, I don't even know. And why do I have my hand on a hot grill? I don't even know. Like you just wake up and you're like, what am I doing? And then there's where there's a lack of purpose. And then you just feel horrible. I feel like you first have to wake up to your feelings. And that means you have to even give yourself space. To your point, Melissa, you said many times you didn't even know what you wanted. Like when you finally got later in life, after doing this for decades, what do I really want? Well, you know what? You have to pause 
and find yourself. You're, we get so lost in the, and they call it the rat race. You're like running on the treadmill. And when you're running, how do you know what you want? Like you, you don't even, you can't even think straight. So the first step is to slow down enough to find that. And that might be scary, right? Because how do you do that? Can you take a sabbatical? You know, I mean, I think a lot of people don't ask, but like, have you ever went to your management and said, Hey, can I take some time off? Like sometimes you might be surprised. I know a number of people they're like, okay, well, we'll give you a paid sabbatical for three months or more. And then all of a sudden you could find yourself. What a blessing. And maybe your company won't have that, but why wouldn't you ask? Right. And then look at what you could do, or if you could stack up your vacation and go, but don't just go work. You know, some people take their two week vacation and they do all their housework because they had put that off forever. So now they really didn't take a vacation or you go on some big holiday with your family. And then that's like work too. I've taken my kids to Disneyland and then you need another vacation after the vacation. So I've been there and done all those things. And the reality is we need time with ourselves. And I've done it twice now, twice in my life, you know, years apart. Like I did it once and then about four years later, I did it again. I took two weeks of solitude. Both times I chose to go to the Amazon where there's no cell phone. You couldn't do any of those things. You just shut off and you're with yourself. And I had never done that for many, many work years of my life. And it's kind of scary too. And I'm a, I'm a parent. So I had never like shut off my phone and not had contact with my family for two weeks, but I, I prepped it. I planned it with my family. I planned it with myself, actually giving yourself that pause then wakes up the inspiration in your life. That part of you that's been sheltered or I don't not sheltered, but suppressed or ignored. That's another word. You're ignoring who you are and you kind of let it start to come out. You know, so I know I'm jumping to like what I did, but it, it just piggybacking off everything that's been said, like, what do you do? How do you find yourself when you've been in this race for so long for maybe the wrong reasons? Yeah, I think the conversation you're talking about with just kind of going inside yourself, because that's really the deep work is to understand yourself. It's really easy when you're trying to you know, work with a customer or build up a client or deliver a product or whatever it is you're doing. But when you have to turn the mirror on yourself and say, what am I here for? What do I really want to do with my life? What kind of impact do I want to leave or legacy? Then I think you just start to be, you start to have to reframe what your definition of success is. And I think Giovanni or you might have said that earlier, but, you know, I think a lot of times we do associate success with that no pain, no gain, grind, hustle, you know, and, you know, I know I grew up, my dad being a workaholic, he always had at least one second hustle, you know, could have been third or fourth, but he always had something else he was doing along with his full-time job that was like his own business or, you know, whatever it was. And so I think I grew up seeing what that grind was. And I actually was like, well, I don't want to have my own business because that's like you work way harder than you do when you work for someone else. 
But then, you know, you kind of start to reframe what you think about success and why people go in to have their own business because they want to impact the world in a different way. And a lot of the companies, they're doing things a particular way. But the reason it's so important for CEOs to create their own companies and their business is because they want to be able to change the way we do business or what we offer or how we offer it. There's some other value that they're bringing that is not out there that's giving them their competitive advantage. And so I just think, you know, as we think about what we want, you begin to reframe your mindset in terms of what success really looks like. Well, and let's, I just popped in my head as you're saying that, Melissa, let's redefine what a business is. And many other people have done it. I'm not saying I'm inventing this by any means, but the reality is your father had a self-employed business as a side hustle, which then is unlimited, which is different, right? Like, so you could work hours and a company will only let you put in so much overtime sometimes, you know, it's not like, you know, there are some businesses, maybe you could put gobs of overtime and make more money and you can, you can through your labor, increase the amount that goes in your paycheck. But what I think when people find that side hustle, they start a business, right? Maybe you have to get a business license. So like we use that term very loosely, like you're creating a business and what really you're doing is you're creating another job for yourself. And then thereby, like what happens is a mechanism of making additional income, but you have to put the hours in because there's no one else. And that's why many people will say that you don't have a business until you have a team. Many people have said this, you know, Robert Kiyosaki wrote the quadrants, right? Like in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, that you have on the left side, it's working people like employee or self-employed. And then on the right side is business owners and investors, because when you own a business or you're running a business, then it should be many hands making light work. And even one of our clients who's become a friend of us, Jim Blachek, uh, he's also been on the podcast, I think like episode 54 or somewhere around there in the 50s. He says that you don't have a business until you have employees. And then because that's where then, it, and it goes back to our African proverb, if you want to go somewhere quickly, go alone. You know, and so there is something about that. That's why that side hustle can be attractive because really fast you could add to your income, but you got to sacrifice your time because it's just you. If if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen, right? But if you can actually transcend that, and that's what more business, more life is about, we have to create systems, procedures, which also includes team, which then thereby changes the definition of a business, are you, are you, do you have a job? So your father, Melissa, unless I'm wrong, and I'm just jumping in on this, but he was an employee and he was self-employed. So he basically was doing both operations on that working side of the quadrant. If we want to start having more of a, more autonomy in our life, then the reality is we need to create a system where we can have many hands making light work and we're not, it's not all resting on our shoulder. And, and there isn't an absolute on this. Don't get me wrong. Like there are people that are self-employed and they also have a few employees or some contractors and that's there. And then on the other, you know, but really we want to transcend that. And that's how do we do what we love and not become workaholics, you know? And I, and I guess just to cap this, I t totally relate to this, Melissa, because that's what I did, right? I, I left working for other people to have 
my own business and then but really i created my own my own self-employment instead of actually having the freedom of having a business or being an investor so i think i was just trying to define those definitions and then even show a little bit of where it goes wrong in our mind and then to you you're like oh business ownership sucks well really it's self-employment could really be like take your life away yes i would make a little caveat on that just because today's world you could be a single person depending on your business right you can be a single person that has mostly automated right online business or it's just you kind of doing that stuff so i would kind of say in my head because i used to think like i had a business as a as a self-employed headshot photographer i'm like i'm a small business owner like that was false that's not true because if i didn't work then there's nobody working right but if you have a business where you can step away and you're still making money, I would say that's a business. Even if you're just by yourself, working by yourself, because I've I've seen tons of people well, who- are- look at another client, or just at, and then you continue, Joanne, but Rhett Asselaire, right? Like he either ran his Amazon business or now he has historic prints where he sells open to the public, like old pictures of bridges, old maps. They recreate that. He does have a few assistants that work for him, so he's not like solo-solo. But he doesn't have like hundreds of employees. And then you're able to have a really, really good life and work like, you know, one day a week. Yeah. And he can step away, right? I don't know with Brett, because I think at some point, I think he was still printing this stuff himself. But like if he, if you can, I think if you can just step away from your business and it still runs without you there, like I think that's like that, that's a business. If you're self-employed, it's like self-employed to me is like, if you leave for whatever period of time and business just stops, then like, then you're self-employed. That's not you don't own a, like a business kind of a thing. I've seen people who have like, are making millions of dollars by themselves, you know, having some kind of online, it's typically some kind of online e-commerce or something that they do, right? Where they can kind of step away for a while. Anyway. No, I think um, it's a great point, Giovanni. And you know, it, the ultimate would still be possibly to have an employee or, or a partner so you could take turns monitoring that business. But yeah, you've really, really reduced the hours because you because it doesn't have to be. So I guess you're right. Like in that, let's include that it doesn't necessarily have to be all employees, and you don't have to have some mega business where you have like hundreds of employees. Like we're not saying that. And to Giovanni's point, you could use computers now. Like I mean, so that can be your staff. You know, like people used to, you know, have assistants that book their calendar. Like now we use Acuity. Like we don't need to have someone booking meetings for us anymore. A computer can do that. Yeah. I think, and that's kind of, I'm glad you said that because that, that brings back kind of our earlier conversation of where you don't have to follow what society is telling you of what a job is, right? Like, because I think with technology, so many jobs are getting turned over to like artificial intelligence or just, you know, being able to automate things through technology that now people have less. And we've talked about this before, but it's like we're not getting rid of jobs. We're just creating new opportunities for people to have different types of jobs. And I think that there's so much more opportunity for creative stuff to be a, a creative in, in many capacities because manual, certain manual labor stuff is going away, right? I mean, like fast food restaurants, they have like robots making you, you don't even talk to people anymore. You can just push buttons to order your food and eventually it's going to be automated where there's literally machines just cranking out the food and whatnot. Uh, I mean, you can even see that at the airports. You go like make coffees. There's like a big old robot arm making coffees for you and stuff like that. Sandwiches, all this stuff. 
I was just wondering if it tastes different because you know, like they like grandma's cooking always tastes different, even if you have the same yeah. recipe. Like, is our robots going to put the love in the? Food? I was going to say, can you program love into the into the robot? Probably not. <laughs> uh, not yet. Anyway, we will see when you know. I, but yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's opening up opportunities for people to be more creative. If you have an expertise, you can share that and teach. Right, like more and more people. Like I think information is become like is I can't remember how big it's growing, but like it's getting into the billions of dollars of teaching people a skill set, right? And my favorite thing that you've ever not my favorite thing, but one of my favorite things you've ever said about like types of businesses that are out there was the bronies. The yeah. adult men who love my little ponies. Like there's a, a brony con, which means people gather together, men, adults gather together and either talk about and buy stuff like so like if they can have a business and a thrive in, a, in their own con like convention there's seriously no limit on what you can do to make money and to make yeah. a living in this world there's so many different possibilities for people to do whatever and if you've been in an industry for so long and you're at the top you're the ceo you created your own business whatever and you, you're not happy within that then there's like there's so many different ways you can pivot and change and and whatnot but it's it i think it come back to it's really defining what a successful life is for you right because we talk about what's a success what does success mean to you like business-wise but what is what does a successful life mean for you well you know it just comes to mind to reinforce everything we're saying simon sinek start with why if you haven't picked up that book it's a definite read you you want to see that I, this is what we're talking about. Start with your why and don't be afraid that you can make money. And that's why I think it's great that you brought up bronies. And I took my kids to Comic Con, uh, you know, I think we've gone a few times now. And I remember one of the years for sure that bronies had a huge booth, like big compared to the others. I mean, so, you know, they spent money in order to have that. So then you're like, okay, well, the else said that, oh, let me tell you about a proposal. We're going to do this community called Bronies and it's for men only that like My Little Pony. You'd be like, you're crazy. Like, that's not going to work. Well, there's enough people. And that's what also works with technology. We go back in time. If you were in a village and there was one kid that, you know, that liked My Little Pony and grew up and still liked My Little Pony you would be like the weird one in your community. But the fact that you can go online and then say, oh, wow, look, there's one in all these different cities. Now there's like a thousand of us. Now you have a movement that wouldn't have existed without technology. So going back to your your point, Giovanni, and I think that's that we just can't make mistakes to overlook the potential of any one thing. And and this is the time. You know, I guess in a way, this is like a new renaissance because you, you even brought it up earlier in this recording, Giovanni, that people didn't work if you're like a caveman or in the early indigenous tribes. You woke up and you figured out how you're going to get food for that day, what amount of things you're going to have to do. I think someone told me, I can't remember what book I was reading, that average work in a tribal scenario was about four hours of work. That was average. Like maybe this, something happened during a weather storm or you had to move or if you're a traveling tribe, you know, maybe it was different, but you know, average would be like four hours of work a day to make a dwelling to like a place of shelter, to have food, whatever it was. And that was, that was it. Then you would just enjoy make music and things like that. Then, but everyone's working to the same. Then, then when you start creating 
different ways to do things work that's when i think they say that's how the renaissance came because people really couldn't spend time on art because they were working but i wonder is that true right because if we look at it there's a lot of art you know like you know you could talk about cave drawings oral storytelling that's an art dance making the garments for those dances music there was a lot of things happening then i think you know to your point giovanni like you have the you have work starts applying. Now you're going to be a farmer. Like, okay, so you're going to wake up every day and you're going to you're going to have to do that work. And a lot of people argue, well, that allowed for other people not to have to make their own food. So then they were able to paint all day, to create music all day. So then, you know, that's why they call the, the I, I believe, I'm not a historian, but that's like when the Renaissance period came and all these arts of, uh, were prolific because you didn't have to, create your survival any longer so let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back i just want to have an expression of gratitude right now for pro audio voices they're the ones that uh, produce my podcast and becky and her team are amazing and for those of you that know me i'm all about wow clients wow partners and pro audio voices is a wow partner for me and if you want to learn more, you can go to ProAudioVoices.com and you can learn about them. They also do audiobooks and they're just amazing people. Thank you, Becky. I think that, yeah, the invention of farming really made it so that humans no longer had to continue to be nomads and search for food. It allowed you to stay in one space to then have food and then continue to grow as a society and then got bigger and bigger, right? So the invention of farming really like made it so that we could have what we currently have as cities, which is a good thing, right? I mean, like I'm not, I'm not bagging on how it is, but it's like we're, I think we're now at a point in history that more and more people can choose to do different things that wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to do maybe 20 or 30 years ago with the internet. That's what I'm saying. Is this the yeah. next renaissance? Yeah. What yeah. continue? I mean, is this the next one? Because now, we have so much more automation and so many more collective work and a global workforce. Can many hands make such light work again? Like even, can we go back to tribal essence where we could, you know, work in four or five hours and then create or, you know, that's what I'm questioning. Are we coming with technology and global connection? Because now so. we can literally talk to anyone around the world for free. Yeah. I think, I think there is a shift. It's funny, like getting back to the balancing in certain aspects, you can be extreme on either end of things, right? And so for me, like technology and like old ways, you know, right? With, you know, food and medicine in the old days. And I think like medicine today, like has its place for certain things, like you know, better see, right? Like with Guillain-Barre syndrome and everything, like you didn't take any of the medicines that they wanted because you said it was like numb your mind and all this stuff. But but at some point you do, you know, you do need those. It's like, I'm in this in-between like, okay, we can't go too extreme of technology and all this other stuff, but we can't go too extreme of the back when we, you know, we got like, quote unquote, like hippies and like people who are just like, let's just take me back to, you know, pre-penicillin days. I'm like, yeah, penicillin's pretty good for you guys. <laughs> we can use that. But it's like, but I've talked to so many people who want to create these communities, again, almost like little villages. Like people are so tired. I don't know if we're getting off topic here, but are so tired of how mainstream society is with the high anxiety, high stress, mental issues, you know, mental um, health is down and all this stuff. And I've talked to so many people who want to create retreat centers and healing zones for people to come be, come farm, come, you know, practice different modalities of of healing 
you know, whether it's yoga, meditation, energy, sound, breath work, whatever it is. So, so many more and more people. And I think it might be just the, maybe it's the millennial generation and younger that are starting to see that I'd say quote unquote, the kind of the, the toxic poison that society has gotten to with all of the excessive work and, you know, this just came to mind, but hedonism of stuff like so much drinking and alcohol and drugs and stuff like that and overworking. And it's like, it's overcompensating for the lifestyles, right? You, you work hard and you want to just relax. And a lot of people take in drugs or whatever to help them forget or release that's that anxiety and stress and, and whatnot. And, and it's like uppers and downers because you wake yeah. up and you're drinking, whether it's caffeine or something harder. I mean, they say that's how Heath Ledger died because he was using energy medication to like boost him. to, And then you're so high that you need sleeping pills at night to calm yourself down. And, and so that's an extreme, right? You're literally using pharmaceuticals to chemically drive your life. And ultimately it gets so extreme that you accidentally overdose. Now, I don't know hundred percent on all that activity, but I know I heard that. And I think that can be on a lower level with drinking a bunch of caffeine and then not being able to relax at night. So you drink alcohol. So that can be like a lower level of what we're talking about when you're, you're having pills. So I think you're onto something there. And I think that, you know, I did, I, I don't have enough history on this, but yet I'm learning, but you know, there are people that say that with the farming practice and such, that's when we lost our freedom. Because if you control the food supply and the healthcare, boom, where are we? So, and you know, and that was what I really liked you know, during 2020. I, one of my teachers told me that 6 million gardens were started. You know, if you can start to have those things, and I think we don't really know the, 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 complete impact on pharmaceuticals, although there's a lot of evidence, but we're only a hundred years. So it was like 1933 when penicillin was brought in. And, and I read a book about gut health. And before that, they were like, they could pinpoint if you were constipated or different things, then all these different ailments would happen. And so they used to really focus on gut health and heal more people. And there's a the guy that wrote, I forget his name, he wrote a book in the 1990s and he lived a really long life and he didn't use the drugs. He basically just cleansed his gut all the time and he was able to stay healthier than others. So I think the key thing I'm noticing from all the homework I've done is this preventative. And I think that's where we get stuck in Western society is like, okay, I'm going to go get my food, which by the way, has been highly produced highly refined. It's not really natural foods and it's also been poisoned by pesticides. So which now noticing, you know, that's the thing that bugs me, you know, is we're fighting cancer and we're fighting all these things. Fighting is a key word for me like that I don't want to do. In reality, I think if we remove the chemical and I'm not a biologist or any of those things, but just from enough evidence, if you remove the chemicals from your life, most likely you're not going to fight those things because literally our body is trying to filter out all this stuff that really isn't supposed to be there. And then we're working aftermath. We're trying to cure something that I think, my own, this is my own feeling and opinion, we created. So if we could actually get back to natural foods like and you know having a real tomato that hasn't been polluted 
and we have stress relieving practices like yoga and such, we actually have our own medicine and, and also start to have our own freedom because we're not locked into a system that creates. Well, I think too, like kind of on that point is like, is there something about, I think I heard like on the Joe Rogan, he had a, a guest and they were talking about like some of the happiest workers are like farmers or people who are working with their hands, like outdoors. Right. Cause like, I mean, if you think about it, we, we as humans haven't evolved to be at the point where we're at with technology, right? We evolved over a very, very long time. And, but our technology expands so rapidly, right? It, I mean, from the invention of the first computer to where we're at now is insane. And like, I don't know, less than 60 years or something like that. It's crazy. I mean, even with the airplane, right? When the Wright brothers took today's airplanes, I think it's like 60, 70 years now, maybe, maybe it's a little more. But to think of like where we went from these wooden framed cloth wings to rocket ships and stuff like that. So like in my head, we haven't moved moved past that caveman ability of, of not abilities, but caveman persona of working with our hands in nature, in the sun, right? Like having shelter is good. So 1903 airplane. Yeah, I looked at. I was trying to be faster in here. I still can't be. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you, I think the first computer, believe it or not, the world's first fair they had it in the late 1800s, and it was a woman. I forget her name. I wish I could remember. She's quite famous, but she had the first computer. But obviously, it took many more years to make it become a bigger, usable tool. But I mean, they were talking the very first, like just like the very first plane. It took many years before it became popular. Right. Yeah. So 120 years now from the first airplane to rocket ships, right? And traveling space kind of stuff. But it's like, we haven't evolved to the point of like, of just being in our homes or buildings all day, right? Like we need, we are of the earth, right? We are of the universe, right? Like I love what Neil deGrasse Tyson's like, we're all star, all made of stardust or all star stuff, right? Like we are from the universe. And it's like, we need to be a part of that, I think there's a big detachment from from nature, right, in our everyday life. That's why I love when you say, you know, like, hey, you need to take a break. Just go step outside for a minute, sunbathe. Just like step, like when I get a moment, and because I'm I'm guilty too. Like since my my dog passed away, like she was my break manager, and so like you get into it, you, you know, you, you're like you say, see, so you're excited about what you're doing, and you know, you sometimes you you forget you're in the zone, you're in the flow of things, but the times that I do remember like, oh man, I need to step outside, go for a little walk or just let the sun hit you in the face. And like, you can feel your energy level go up. Like you just go like, you know, like Mario brothers or something. Just, you see it, you see it can go up. Yeah. It makes a big difference. And I did just to add in the conversation, Ada Lovelace, that was the woman and she passed away in 1852. So it's a very rudimentary computer, but she was a mathematician. So I guess it was early 1800. She was born in 1815 in London. And yeah, so she's claimed to be the first computer anyway. But so it's, but still in, to your point, Giovanni, this is, you know, 100, 200 years of all of life, human existence. Yeah, a million years. Yeah, yeah. It's like crazy how fast we have evolved. And, and I said, I think, also, we're getting wiser, you know, like you're saying, the generations now, Giovanni, are questioning like, okay, this looked like it was going to help us, but does it? 
you know, it's like, you know, like we can question a lot of things like plastic and all these things that look like wonderful and great. But then now we're like, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of polluting us. And, you know, BPA and all these things that we notice are, are hurting us. And so we have to now have certain types of plastic or ultimately like move away from plastic or so I think, you know, it just comes with life. You know, there is some trials that we think something is good, but then you, as you get older and, and years pass and we start seeing the side effects, I think we're ultimately we're, you know, you could say this has been a wild ride of a conversation, but you know, but what we're, what are we talking about? We're talking about life. You know, a lot of times I, I, I mentioned this a lot of people say, are you a life coach or a business coach? And I say, well, I hope you don't die when you go to work. Yeah, I mean, the reality is this is all of our life. So what we're really bringing up and poising the question is, what do you want? What life do you want to live? And you can choose. It all comes back to that choice. And I think that what we do is we scare ourselves. So as we were contemplating what to talk about on today's podcast, it's like, why do we think that it's pie in the sky that we can choose our life? And then look at all the evidence we're talking about. There's so much technology there's so many new ideas that if you put enough time in any one thing, they you can have success. You can become an expert uh, skateboarder. You can be an expert at video games. You can whoever knows. Like we don't even know all the things. I mean, how many things are, have no one has an, any idea? And because we're globally connected, billions of people, you can have a, a fragment of the world population, but it can be global. And you could actually have enough commerce to make a, a actual decent living. And then that's the key thing. Like what is success? So we also have to add in the definition of that, because if you think you have to be a billionaire to succeed, well, then I always would ask you, well, what will having that do for you? Well, what will having that do for you? And it goes back to the why, because I think it's easy for us to catch on a point like, oh, I just want to have a big house. Oh, I want to have a pool. Oh, I want to have a plane. Oh, I want to you know, have this or that. And is it really giving you what you want? What are you working for, like in your life? And that, that one of the things you always, you asked, you know, like you said it. And then I've, I've heard Tony Robbins ask, like, well, like, what do you want? And then have you ever looked to see how much it costs? Right. You think like how much you, when you ask people, how much do you want to make? And like millions of dollars. Well, why do you want to make millions of dollars? So like have this, this, and this. Well, have you ever like seen how much those things kind of cost you? And he's like, a lot of times people, over exaggerate how much they need to live yeah because they don't know what things cost they just have this like kind of number in their head it's like i think a million bucks is like become that arbitrary like number for people it's just a number for people to hit but then they don't look i think we might have discussed this on a podcast a couple of episodes ago a speaker that you talked to who wanted to do all those fun things and you're like wait a second didn't you just say that you went on helicopter rides yachts and all this other stuff and like he was upset that he didn't meet his financial goal but all the things that he mentioned that he wanted to do, he had already done throughout the year. And it's like, yeah, w I think just as society, we, we're, we're so focused on the number thing, right? Almost like even like with GDP with countries, right? It's just a number to base things off of. But like Burma or something like that, like they don't have a GDP. They have like a happiness scale, like how happy they are as a country rather than like how much exports and whatnot they're producing. And it's like, What's our happiness level as a country? Like, that's amazing, right? And it's just looking at it differently. And like, I think it's easier to have a number to look at to kind of quantify things for people. But getting back to what you said initially, it's like, what's in here? Like, what's in your heart? Like, what's what do you feel? Like, what is your intuition telling you? Like, 
I think that's more important. I think that's where we're starting to come back to. I think we've let technology and evolution of technology take us to where we're at. And I think people are starting to notice that, hey, we're missing something. And even science is starting to catch up, right? Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Bruce Lipton, they're talking about this and seeing the science behind what we once called woo-woo stuff, right? Even like meditation at one point was like super like, whoa, meditation, that doesn't do anything. That's not, but now they can like quantify, you know, Buddhists and people who are really into meditation who can control their wavelengths and, and brain waves and all that stuff. And like, we're starting to get back into old way of like, I think it's like Asian philosophies, right? Buddhism, Indian religions of like, they already knew this stuff. And now science and technology is starting to catch up to be able to quantify what they knew. And so now we're starting to get back into those way, those ways of thinking and those ways of life and saying, hey, you know, these things are missing from from current life, which again, again, technology is not a bad, it's a tool, right? It's, it's a thing, but it's like when we fully rely on on that stuff rather than us as our own tool, right? Going back to the hand on the, the hot plate, the grill, if you don't listen to your body on that, then like you're going to die. You're going to, your hand's going to burn off. So you're going to burn, you know, it's like you need to be able to trust and be able to listen and hear yourself. Right. That listening is the key. I think that's even what I define meditation as because, you know, prayer it, it, like a lot of times you just think of it as asking for things. And I think to your point, Giovanni, I, I think that we say Eastern religions nowadays because some, more of them have in public space kept their practices. But I think even when you look at Christianity or any spiritual practice, it really is having time to be with spirit and and yourself, you know, and I think and then that's why I think we look at Western society that we've lost those practices because of the hustle, because it's like, oh, I got to go work. And so then you maybe have uh, a day, you give yourself a Sabbath, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, depending on your family heritage, your, you know, where you came from or what, what community you've joined. Ultimately, I think all of that, to me, as I've looked, successful spiritual life comes with time. Like anything, you have to, if you want a successful relationship, you got to give it time. If you want a successful garden, time, you know, like, so what are you choosing and why? I think is ultimately the question. Why are you giving time to what? And then what are you doing about it? And I think it's all great points um, that you're bringing up, Giovanni, that where are we focusing and why? I think that's, we talk about this a lot. The why matters and I think the thing that is that also I wanted to add into this right now is that I think more population choose evolution or over revolution, right? It's a small amount of our population. And this has statistically been like, like I think Milton Erickson, there's been people that studied overall population and the way that we choose things. And so a small amount of population wants extreme change constantly and those are the people that we'll see in our life they always have a new car they always have a new partner like they can't keep anything right they always change and it's usually like 10 percent around of the whole entire population of the world and then a very few population don't want any change those are the people that eat the same dinner they kept the same job their whole life again small amount of population i'd say 70 percent. i think this is from milton erickson 
have they just like evolution and then that can take into this point but sometimes the confusion with evolution is that we can't have change sometimes we feel that it's moving slower and we can't have change so i think this whole discussion of choosing that you want a different life but then not being willing to make the change because you think it has to be radical and that's where people get scared because like oh i'm going to quit my job and i already set up this house and i have kids now and oh my gosh, this is radical. It is radical thinking, but it doesn't mean you have to implement this radically. You can actually set up a smooth transition if you set yourself up for when are you going to transition, how are you going to transition, and and make a plan. But the first thing is choosing. With all of our discussion today, it's like choose the life you want. Yes, you can. And with all the things we have, all the technology, all the automation, then this is what we what we need and then you can say okay what are we going to do how are we going to do it and then when you know that's a thing we haven't talked about so much like when is a good time to do this and you know how do you start what's the first step second step third step don't think because we're talking about this that you have to like quit your job live in pain and misery until you start your new path you can actually start creating the path well, you start changing your life and then migrate over in a good way and evolve instead of, you know, have evolution instead of a revolution, but yet still invoke change in your life. And it's a heck of a lot happier. And if you love what you're doing, but you're working way too much, you can still gradually have the evolution of the life that you want as well, right? Um, Because we don't have to stop what we're doing. But if you love and you're passionate about what you're doing and you're successful in it and you want to spread it to the world, like Melissa was talking about earlier, you know, people starting businesses for for good, but you're just not able, you're you're not having the life, the personal life that you want. Like it can be a gradual thing too, right? It's not that radical thing. That's when people don't do stuff, right? Like, like, okay, I got like five different things I need to change in my life. And they try to do them all at once. And then they do it for maybe a week or less or a couple of days and it just like falls off, right? But it's that gradual build in the habit that will give you long-term success. And we could talk about transition, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's one that's warranted. Maybe we should, we always talk about what topics we should have, but maybe it is. How do we transition when it's scary? You know, maybe we should note that down. I'm going to write that down too. Yeah. I guess today is really about why, why do you even think about it? And then is it possible? I think that's the thing we kind of started with the question today. I want a different life, but it's scary. And I think, you know, ultimately we really talked about why, and we want to live now and, you know, life is going to pass by and we all have enough stories where you lose a family member or like for me, how being paralyzed, like losing the ability to move my body, you know, and even have the fear, is this the end? Is this the way I'm going to die? You know, then what am I choosing becomes very, very high on the list. And I guess, you know, what I would really like to share with everyone listening, don't wait, don't wait until something tragic happens for you to choose your life, choose your life now, and then figure out how you're going to achieve that so that it's not scary. You don't, again, you don't have to radically quit everything, go live in a box and you, you know, now you're free, but you have nothing. I was just going to say though, 
it can be scary. It will be scary, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, it was like, okay, I'm totally outside of my comfort zone. But then eventually you become comfortable with being uncomfortable. So it's okay. It, it'll it be scary. Yes, it might scare the socks off of you, but it's okay. Just do it. Do it anyway. I think, and it's just different. You know, I often say that, like, what is success? I think we define you know, but the reality is we don't know what our success feels like. And that's what messes with us. You start stepping into new territory and it feels different. So then we get freaked out. It's not wrong. So then you think, oh, am I wrong? But it's actually just new. So you have to discern like, this is new. It's okay. I'm still alive. I'm breathing. You know, it would be like if you stepped onto a new planet. Like, can I breathe here? Oh, yeah, I can. Okay. You know, it's like checking the boxes. Am I okay? But as a CEO, you are walking by yourself a lot of the time. And I think that's where you you begin to understand, like, you know, if you haven't been a CEO before, I don't know that you realize how lonely it can be sometimes because you are, you're setting your course. You are designing the life. And at the end of the day, everybody needs to be the CEO of their life. But I think it's easy for us to kind of delegate that <laughs> to something else until you realize, no, I want to step into myself, have a, an alignment with my purpose and really provide the value on this earth that I'm here to to get, you know? Yes, that's why we say create your freedom. It's not just like poof, there it is. You got to choose it and then create it. That will allow, then then, then it comes to the step by step. Like anything else a CEO would do. It's like, okay, we need to move into this market or we have to change our product. Okay, what's first, second, third? So I think the same principle, I like that you said that, be the CEO of your life. And Giovanni's thinking we should make a t-shirt of that. I think that's a good idea. That, you know, you have that you choose what you're going to do and then build a structure around making that happen. And I think that's what we're really talking about. And then that even includes transition, right? You know, like not many companies quit making their core product and make a new core product. I'm sure it's happened in, in history here and there, but most of the time you start making the new one and then you transition away from the old one and and you start making things happen, you know? I mean, sometimes there's been like where a product completely fails or history moves on or something, and then you have to make a new one. And those com some companies have survived. Other companies that don't change, they die with the change of the industry, you know? So, and I think that's also what we brought up. The world is changing right now, like it or not. It, you know, we, things are moving, but there is one thing that's the same, us humans, and we can have the life that we want, just choose that and then start designing it step by step. I think that's it. So ultimately what I've learned from after being paralyzed, what are the experiences I want in my life? How do I design that in my life? And then, and then basically then I start to achieve that. You know, it's really hard to design something or build something if you if you don't have it designed it's going to take a lot more time so i think 
hopefully this has been a helpful exploration. I think we need to wrap up here, keep us on time, but you, you know, the idea is the concepts that came, you know, I, I hope this has been like in a way a brainstorm for anyone listening today to what is possible and you can choose and that there is some framework and the framework really first is to start with why, like Simon Sinek says, why do you want this? And if you're not sure, then you need to get time for self-exploration so that you, and that means usually most people that don't know, they've been grinding so long, they've not given time to themselves. That's what I found after all these years. So you, that means you have to take a time out. You need to take a holiday. You need to take, you know, probably more than a long weekend, which also can be uncomfortable, right? But it's what you need to have a better life. You know, and the, the first time I did that, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I really going to go away for two weeks away from my family, away from my company? And then I was, I decided to do it because I knew that I would come out a better man because I would find more of my own joy and happiness and I'd be a better husband, a better father, a better leader. And that came true. So whether, and it's still scary. I had never like shut my phone off for two weeks and disconnected from the world. So that that's it. it starts there. Then you do, once you decide that, then you start to design it. And then when you're designing it, then we figure out how to do it. And I think, I think that's, if I were to cap it off and, and if you, uh, Melissa or Giovanni, if you want to add anything in here on that before we close out, I think that's the mistake. I think we go right to the how, and then, then we can't figure that out. And then we just don't do anything. And then we get stuck in the same life that we didn't want, really want. And that sounds good to me. Yeah. Nothing to add there. Well, start there. We'll keep adding more stuff. I think we took some notes to some future podcasts, like how to transition through the scariness and different things. It could be a whole nother topic that came out of this conversation. I hope this is useful. Please let us know. Comment, question. Tell us if you agree, disagree. We're welcome to all of that because that's a healthy conversation so that we can all be better. We can all learn from each other. And so we're welcome to all your comments. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, share with others so that we can really help the world see that they have more choice. And you can always remember as we end this, choose gratitude and create freedom. We love you all. And we look forward to seeing you, hearing you, being with you, sharing on our next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>